Cheerio, and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. Welcome to a very special British-themed episode of the Pain Cave. I am very excited to be joined, as always, by my partner in crime, who is on the other line. My co-host, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangook Express. He is the Tom Evans to my Tom Hiddleston. Phil Vondra, welcome back to the Pain Cave. It's good to be here. It's good to be here with another Brit, so he can sort of gang up on you, you know? You're better halves, basically. Phil, we've had we've had several British, fantastic British runners and British personalities on the show, but this is the first time we have ever had two British athletes on the show at the same time. We are so excited to be joined by one of the great ultra trail runners in the world today. She is coming to us from Arizona by way of Great Britain. She is a <laughs> she is a uh, top former top ten finisher at both Western States and UTMB, and she recently scored an imp- incredibly convincing win at the Canyons 100K in California. Welcome to the Pain Cave for the first time, Beth Pascal. Beth, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to to be here. And it's it's cool that we don't have to deal with a big time difference with me being in the UK. Yeah, really, right? So, yeah. It's so great to have you here. We're, uh, we're so excited to hear all about uh, canyons and, and what's been going on with you and to do a fun little 20 questions episode as we like to do. Before we get started, Phil, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm drinking a Drowned Lands Soft Terror double IPA, rocking in at uh, 8.2%. I'm preparing for a rim to rim to rim next week. So I'm uh, getting my carbohydrates in. Perfect. So yeah. Perfect. I have a local yard owl grisette at four and a half. All right. My favorite beer in the world, or at least one of. There we go. Cheers, Beth. Cheers. I've I've got my bottle of water here. Cheers. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the difference the, between that's the difference between you and us. That's you know? how the real pros do it. Exactly. All right. <laughs> I. I, I do drink, but I'm not. Like a, I'm not. A, it's it's quite early to start drinking. I was going to go. Not to here. It's not. Not, <laughs> not, not on the East Coast. It isn't. I had to have oh, a yeah. relaxing gin and tonic whilst I uh, heated up my pizza in the oven. <laughs> Chef always needs a little lubrication, you know. So, Beth, how long have you been in the states now? Ooh, um, three three or four weeks coming and- up to weeks i think and you're here through uh, western states yeah exactly that's yeah fantastic. so i came out to california about a week before canyons and after the race came up here to flagstaff and i'm here for uh, an unknown period of time <laughs> and at some point i'll head back to california for western states that sounds pretty good to me yeah Except I did read that uh, Arizona has the largest number of poisonous animals by any state in the U.S. I'll just leave that out there for you. Uh, so be careful on the trails. I have, I've been educated by the locals here about what to look out for. Although I, yeah, I think actually where I am, I've, I've seen certainly so far less wildlife than I see in California. When I'm in California, I see bears, rattlesnakes, mm. all sorts like on almost every run and so so far by comparison i feel pretty safe here they have friendly tarantulas i understand i yeah. thought tarantulas had to be poisonous but they've got friendly ones that you can pick up oh wow that, are, that aren't dangerous i hope so, they uh, check you your luggage on the way out of the country taking home some friendly tarantulas just packed in there just bringing them home with me made friends <laughs> in arizona 
<laughs> so, Beth, we recently were able to listen to you on Dylan Bowman's podcast, The Pillar Show, which was uh, a great interview. And um, while we've been following your career for quite some time, we got to learn a little bit about you that, that I didn't know before. I don't know if Phil knew. But you and Phil, in addition to both being uh, from the correct side of the, the pond, you are both former uh, elite level rowers, which I didn't know. Uh, yes, you are yes. a rower, aren't you? Or were a rower? I, yes, it feels like a long time ago now, but but yes, it was a thing I did. I know the feeling. It was a big part of my life for a few years. And um, and Jay, you and Beth are both doctors. There we go. Look at that. We've got like a, yeah, but that's a less on, that's like, less cool than you know, being rowers, though. That's less cool. Than I think when you thing. trained as a doctor, wasn't it like leeches were in fashion? You know, didn't you like like if someone came in with an ailment, it was like leech them. Yeah. No, we still do that. You still do it? Sure, All right, sure. Good. And I still pay a $50 copay for leeching? I can do that myself. Come on. <laughs> and Beth, you're a pediatrician. Is that right? Uh, that is right. Yes. So what, what do you what do? You do? Uh, I do emergency medicine. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. That, that is cool. <laughs> But um, you'd, you'd mentioned something to, to Dylan about uh, the way that training works in, in the European system. And I just I was a little bit interested in, in that. I'm sure this is going to be interesting for about 3% of our listenership. But can you tell me a little bit about it? I mean, it sounds like a really much more prolonged process than just the, the med school residency kind of thing that we go through. Yeah, it does seem prolonged. I mean, I've been talking about it a lot recently to people here for example Rachel Drake I don't know if you mm -hmm. know her she's a super super fast trail runner who's also at medical school so it sounds like um your medical school is longer like you have to do a, a full like undergraduate degree before you do medical school we just do a total of five years at medical school okay and then we do a couple of years of foundation training um which is kind of similar to residency, but we do lots of different specialties. So we don't choose our specialty until after we've done foundation training. Um, but you are qualified and you are working mm -hmm. and then you start your specialty training. And that is certainly longer than residency in the US. And it does vary what, what specialty you do. But yeah, it sounds like it's a lot longer. And most people don't just get it done as quickly as possible they take time out and do other things like research or other degrees oh um, really or or go running like me <laughs> great thing to do <laughs> totally great thing to do and is it is that period all hospital based or are you are you out in the community as well um for peds it's mainly hospital based like okay. I, we do need some community peds where we're out in a clinic somewhere but yeah like over 90% is in a hospital. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So it sounds like a pretty good uh, job interview there. Just just watch out, Beth. I think he's interviewing you. He's, he's hiring at the moment. No, I'm just curious. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, when I get thrown out of the U.S. for whatever, I'm going to need to figure out how to practice somewhere else. So, It's funny, though, like the American system, it takes a lot longer to qualify as a doctor because you pay 100 grand a year. It's nothing to do with that, right? <laughs> could be yeah so that's the other thing like everything other... here takes a bit longer and costs a hundred grand a year hmm. <laughs> smelling a little bit of a rat there <laughs> anyway he's a fantastic doctor he saved me on multiple occasions i can tell you i i've been researching how to start working here it's like, quite hard the... isn't it 
quite hard it's quite hard I was actually last night on Google like figuring out how to do it because I would absolutely love to live out here I know and a I know fellow pediatrician that wanted too. to do it yeah it seems it's it's hard it's yeah a lot of you basically have to do all the exams that everyone has to do at the end of medical school in the US and then you'd have to start residency all over again right um and lots of risk and cost involved but yeah it would be awesome it would be awesome we'd love to have you (laughs) well we'd love to have you in the UK (laughs) if you ever get kicked out (laughs) <laughs> All right. Before we get into bed, 20 questions, Beth, uh, tell us a little bit about the race at Canyons, because it, it, you really looked from us following from afar. It really looked like you took control of that race fairly early and were really in control the whole way. Uh, what was it like being back on the Western States course? And uh, how did the day go? Um, a little bit of a backstory, which you guys probably heard from uh, Dylan Bowman's podcast, but it was a very last minute thing actually coming out to do canyons. Um, so it was only, I can't remember, two or three weeks before that I knew I was definitely going to be able to get out there. So um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I felt being back on the Western States course and going back to all the places w- that we'd been a couple of years before, like I felt so nostalgic. It was, we had such a wonderful time, my husband and I, when we were out in 2019. So it was really, really cool. And um, yeah, the race, we were super lucky with the weather. Uh, I had been really concerned about the heat, but it suddenly cooled down for race day, which was perfect for me. Um, yeah, and I had a good day. I. I know, you know, people say I was in control all the way and I, I did have a big lead, but at, during the race, I had absolutely no idea um, <laughs> what was going on behind me. So I imagined there were there were people kind of close to me and it wasn't like a perfect race for me. Like I did have a few low points um, and it was it was hard like that. That course so it's essentially the Western, the last 100K of the Western States course in reverse so it's a lot of well it's not a lot of climbing but there's a net um a net ascent yeah and you just forget that you need the downhills in between (laughs) the uphills to recover and it was just relentless yeah Um, so so yeah it was it was a good day and yeah i i you know got a lot of confidence from that race especially as it's been so long since I raced with having no races in 2020. Right. It was, yeah, a big, a big confidence boost. And you'd said that if you hadn't gotten into canyons that you were uh, registered for the Centurion 24-hour in, in Britain. Is that right? Uh, yes, it was, well, 100 miles. Okay. 100-mile track race, yeah. although I probably would have, I probably would have only done 100K. Okay. Um, yeah, very, any, a race on a track, very different from... Yeah, no, uh, I was, have you had a lot of experience with that sort of, of racing before or, or was that just going to be like, this is the only thing that's around and I need to get some kind of effort in before States? Yeah, more the latter. Yeah. Like I, I do, I have done a couple of 24 hour races actually, one more successfully than the other. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was more about if I couldn't travel, like I was just so desperate to do something. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, was you know so few races were going on but that one um was gonna it was a very small elite only field so it was gonna 
going to go ahead and um, Centurion running always put on great races. So it would have been something to do. And yeah, I was kind of excited about the thought of running 100K on the track. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, when I was able to come to the US, I guess I was somewhat relieved yeah, I <laughs> to think, be on the trails. I think, yeah, as much, much as I enjoy running on the track, I think I'd much rather run 100K on the Western States course, even in reverse. Although the conditions at Centurion were obviously great. We saw the 100-mile world record go down there. Yeah, yeah. And the British uh, British women's 100-mile record as well. Right, right. Which was awesome. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Beth, what we're going to do tonight is what we call 20 questions. And what we like to do for these kind of episodes is they're, you know, 20, 20 fairly rapid fire questions. You can go as short or as long as you like. We've been doing this a lot recently with folks like yourself who are pretty well-known uh, who have been on a lot of podcasts recently. Um, you know, we don't feel that bad about, you know, uh, kind of copying Dylan because uh, he copied us and started doing his own kind of like race recap, uh, you know, result <laughs> podcast, which was our idea first. So uh, we can we can take it back from him and, and steal his guests. That's cool. Uh, but for folks who have been on a lot of shows before and have kind of asked the same questions before and you know, I'm sure you've told the Canyon story now 15 different times and, and uh, you get bored of it. So maybe we try and ask you a couple of different questions, things that are a little silly, things that are a little fun and, uh, you know, just go off on tangents or whatever you like. All right. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Phil, as always, why don't you give us the first question? All right. If you could go for a run with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Blimey, that's a hard one to start. Yeah, on. you started with a really. Hard I went one. right in there. That was that was. Oh, was, 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 was a sidewinder. I'm sorry. Warm up a little bit first. <laughs> <laughs> Living or dead. And also, um, when we say run, it doesn't have to be like a hundred k. You know, it could be like a jog around the park or whatever. You know, it's like. Uh, Emil Zapotec. Oh, that's a go. good one. That's a very what good a one. Yeah, one. that would be a run though. That'd be a that'd be a good run. That'd be a death march. I, yeah, I wouldn't want to do an interval session with him. No. It would be, uh, <laughs> yeah, you might regret that. Yeah. I'm not sure if he does it, if he did easy runs, but yeah. <laughs> I think his easy it, ones it, were the one where he carried his wife on his back. Those were his easy days. Yeah. <laughs> I could do the first 10 of his 100, 200 meter intervals exactly. perhaps. But. <laughs> All right. Beth, what is your go-to aid station food? Ah. I don't really eat aid station food. I tend to, I tend to eat my own food. Oh, okay. What's um, your go-to? What do you? What's your go-to race race food then that you're packing uh, for for your crew? So I use Spring Energy gels. I'm a big fan. Same. I can use them almost exclusively for 24 hours, 30 hours. I guess. I mean, the only thing I probably would eat at something like UTMB is they have this hot salty noodle soup mm, that, sounds that good. tends to go down quite That's well good. at yeah. night i would probably have some of that nice but aside from that mm, the odd the odd glass of coke always goes down well sure um yeah and, nice. and that's about it nothing nothing that exciting really <laughs> <laughs> what is the toughest race that you've ever run diagonal de foo oh, which nice. is you know it the it's a hundred mile race on the island of Reunion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right um, in the Atlantic Ocean, Indian Ocean near Madagascar. Oh, is it Indian, Indian Ocean? Wow. Uh, in okay. near Madagascar. Sounds absolutely um, amazing. Yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy place. And the like, if you look at the stats for the race, like it's not that long. It's not. I mean, it's 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 long. 
but it's not the numbers and climb and things aren't hugely different from say a UTMB but it's just I don't know it just has everything like it gets super hot it's super gnarly um it's uh like it's just brutal I remember like I got to about 25 miles from the finish and you come out the mountains at that point and you think oh you know it's gonna get better but then 10 hours later you're still like <laughs> up and down ropes across the mountainside oh, wow. that sounds insane it, was it sounds insane. amazing what a place to be but like it sounds incredibly tough it just went on forever um it was really it was an certainly experienced but it i probably suffered the most in that than i have in any any other ultra love it but i i highly recommend it it's on my bucket list for sure it sounds amazing no thanks (laughs) you probably forget your trainers (laughs) yeah exactly wind up doing it in uh boat shoes uh beth do you cross train a little yeah do a bit of cycling um bit of road bit of uh mountain biking and more recently gravel biking we got some gravel bikes last year and a bit of zwift um uh yeah so but only i'd say once or twice a week okay um certainly at the moment being out here i'm not doing any cycling um when i'm injured more more often sure (laughs) Um, uh do a bit of climbing as well every now and then um less so in the last year uh and that's about it, I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite race? Ah, I, I will have to say Western States. It's kind of a an obvious answer. It's the best answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I just love that race. Um, I, I guess the main. I just love the way it's kind of small and intimate. And to every single person there, it's a massive deal because they have waited. Most people have waited so long to get into that race Mm -hmm. and made huge sacrifices. It's not like, you know, a UTMB where, you know, you can, an elite can get in pretty easily or, um, you know, your average person, maybe it takes two or three years as a maximum. But for Western States, it just means so much to everybody there i think it gives it such a special feel and that it's quite a small field as well Mm. um i i found some other european races a bit overwhelming and i'm kind of over some of that hype i think yeah we were just we were just talking about that i love that today yeah we were just talking about that if all the trail races in in the u.s were the size of the trail races in europe uh you know it would phil phil you were saying you'd probably never would have been a trail runner yeah, I love mm. the intimate races here. I love the kind of small feel, just to feel that like just a great community at these races. It's just it's so nice. Yeah, and st- states yeah, is yeah. just states That's is great. an amazing balance of your. You're right, Beth. Of of like that kind of small race community feel, but also you know what a big it's deal a big it is deal. when you're there. It's 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 such a mm-hmm. such a cool combination. Yeah, I mean that's not to say I don't like the big European races. Sure, but I think it's it's the competition that I like there rather than the crowds. I would be very happy <laughs> <laughs> if, if um, yeah, all the 
competitors could race, but there was just no one watching. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I remember at, at night, uh, it was the last time I did UTMB. I think I was running through one of the A's, I think it was Contamine or somewhere like that. Um, so it's on the first night and it's just so loud. So many people, so many cowbells. And I actually put my hands over my ears. Oh my God. To wow. run through all the cowbells. I, I was just, I just want to be on the mountain on my own. <laughs> it wow. was just too much. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, mm, Beth, mm. what's the worst injury you've ever had? Um, I I broke my ankle last year. Um, although, <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad, but actually, it wasn't that bad. It was I was very very lucky. Um, it was just a, a non displaced fracture with minimal soft tissue damage. So so I came back from it really quickly. But I still have to say that's the worst because it sounds bad if I say I broke my ankle. Sure. Um, I've been lucky with not having anything too serious so far. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that answer. Little uh, little doctor to doctor talk there. That was a very, uh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if, you're, if you're interested, it was a posterior malleolus fracture. Oh, now now they're going all in. An isolated posterior malleolus Uh, is a little bit unusual. I mean, posterior usually goes along with the medial or lateral or both, Mm -hmm. which is very bad. But yeah, isolated posterior, that's unusual. And and yeah, like you said, pretty lucky. Yeah, that's what everyone said to me. And they, they said even when I had an MRI that they could tell I was a trail runner because my tendons looked so strong and all of this. I don't know if they were just saying. (laughs) Keep a close eye on those tendon measurements, always. (laughs) I'm going to break up this uh, this doctor chat here. Uh, What is the uh, the best book you've ever read, Beth? Ah, um, again, I hope it's not a medical book. (laughs) Oh no, I wasn't going to say a medical book. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed Shantaram and now I absolutely can't remember the name of the author. (laughs) Is it a book you've heard of? No, I have not, Um, but I will research it afterwards. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am having a mind blank. That's cool. And I can't remember the name of the author, but I really should know this. What kind of, Um, is it fiction, nonfiction? Um, mainly nonfiction, I think, okay. but I don't know if some of them, <laughs> I, um, so one of those ones based on a true story kind of things somewhat. Yeah. But I think it is, I think it is all true. I think, um, it's essentially about a guy, um, an Australian convict It's written by him. He escapes from prison in, in, in um, Australia goes to India and lives in Bombay. Good. Beth, what's your favorite beer? Hmm. I don't ha- I I could not give you a question an answer to that. Can I pass? Yeah, sure. I I mean What's your favorite I, beer style? Pale ale. There you go. Good. But I don't right. I probably drink more wine than beer. Okay. What's your favorite wine I'm style? Open, yeah, I'm open to spirits as well. I really enjoy it. Right, now we're talking. Yeah, now you're talking Phil's language. <laughs> I don't mind a glass of bourbon. I'm hoping to have one with Des Linden at some point. But that's on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not a non-drinker. Like I do drink from time to time. 
Um, but I, yeah, I don't have a favourite beer. It's not, we don't tend to have them at, keep beer at home. It's more if I go out to the pub and I'll have whatever they've got. Um, at home, we mainly, this is really sad, but yeah, we mainly drink alcohol-free beer. Um, some good ones are <laughs> in these some good days. Ones, yeah. yeah. There are a lot of really good ones. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Days, Days mm-hmm. Brewing. They have an alcohol-free beer recently. Uh, that's really good. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, if we're buying stuff, we tend to have something different every time, I would say. Nice. A lot of good ones mm. out there to try. There are. Fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, what is your bucket list race? Hard Rock. Really? Oh, that's a great answer. I don't, I don't just really need an explanation, does it? No. Not really, no. <laughs> no, um, perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, for, for all the reasons that you would expect. Totally. It, Incredible. It is the thing I need, especially as someone who, yeah, I, I, I'm a hundred mile runner. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be there. And, and having been lucky to do a lot of other cool hundred milers, it's the yeah. What's your worst DNF or epic race failure, if you have one? Huh. Um, I wouldn't say. And <laughs> I, I don't think I've done anything particularly epic in DNF. <laughs> I know you had uh, Hillary Allen on recently. Yeah, she we had to probably we, had a better story for that. We we had to scrap that <laughs> question because she said one DNF when she fell off a mountain. So uh, that was. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was epic. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I DNF'd at UTMB uh, the first time I did it, which was really embarrassing because I got too cold, and as a Brit, I shouldn't really have got too cold. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a really bad weather year and I just, um, yeah, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever had hypothermia before, but you just get progressively colder and colder. And then mm. you get to a point where you stop feeling cold. Yeah. And I kind of thought I was okay again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's really when you know bizarre. you're in trouble, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't go any faster than a walk. I was like, what's wrong with me? I've warmed up, but I can't. I can't move. Right. <laughs> and then yeah, I, I, it was a death march for about 20 miles. And then, um, yeah, and then was pulled out at the aid station. And it took me like 24 hours to warm up again. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's epic. That'll that'll qualify. Yeah. Not, that, not that. that <laughs> it was completely my fault. <laughs> okay. What is your taper strategy the week before a race? Oh, um, I don't do anything crazy. Just, um, I don't know, like a, a fairly standard uh, taper in terms of reducing volume and intensity. Um, I try and, um, I think probably the most important thing is to like reduce other stresses in the week before a race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that, if I, I I can't I struggle to if I'm at work um, I can't just not have any time off work and jump straight into a race um, like at the weekend. Well, well I can do that, but I couldn't do that for a big race because I just I think you just need to 
take time out to try and catch up on sleep and prepare mentally. And yeah, so I try and free up the week as much as possible, um, I would say. But, but most of the time when I'm tapering for a big race, I'm out somewhere in another country <laughs> preparing anyway. But I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's uh, just generally, it's not, I think the non-running element of it is probably more important than mm-hmm. the running element of it. Well said. Um, yeah. So just try and, and I always try and keep myself as far away from the race as possible um, and not, like for a UTMB, we, we tend to, go out in a van and we will stay on some high mountain pass somewhere and try and forget that the race <laughs> is happening until the day yeah. before nice um and just just try and relax and not think about it too much it seems like at especially somewhere like utmb where just uh, for the week or two before the race everything is kind of it's just omnipresent it seems like and you know with all the sponsorship obligations and everyone coming into town it seems like it'd be pretty easy to get overwhelmed in those last few days beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the same with Western States, actually, we, we just were camping in the forest for the few weeks beforehand. And that was, that was perfect preparation. Yeah. 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 What celebrity do you wish would follow you on Instagram? <laughs> oh dear. Um, celebrity. Oh dear. You, you should have sent these questions in advance. <laughs> That's part of the We're fun. We're just not nice people like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we like I'm to put you on the spot here. Oh, uh, dear. I don't follow that many celebrities, like non-running celebrities. <laughs> right. Um, Anyone, yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. Well, um, it would be cool if David Attenborough would follow me. Oh, that would be amazing, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if it's him running his Instagram account or not. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it maybe isn't. <laughs> I don't think he knows um, what Instagram is. He's a great guy, though. No, he's. I when he first, he came onto Instagram like a year ago, and he had like the most amount of followers in the first hour or something. Is that right? Yeah, like, exactly. He had like yeah, crazy followers in the first hour or something. Yeah. crazy. Um, but I, I don't follow many non-runners on Instagram. <laughs> He's just the one that <laughs> popped into my head. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. All righty. Uh, do you play any musical instrument? And if not, what do you wish you could play? Absolutely not. I'm <laughs> very unmusical. <laughs> I used to play the violin. Um, and I played it for quite a few years, actually. And, and the piano. But I was just so hopeless. <laughs> we, we got to the stage with both that the teacher suggested I stop having lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. If, if you're bad enough that they would say, say they would rather not have your money and just not have to listen to you, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably in part I didn't practice enough, but I just had no talent for it. <laughs> Um, you gave it your best shot. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I do. It would be really cool to be able to play like the guitar, something that is something that you can play. You don't have to be really good at it to make a nice noise. Right. 
yeah maybe that was the problem with the violin and the piano like you actually have to be vaguely okay otherwise it's terrible for your parents <laughs> yeah um who have to listen to you practicing <laughs> but it's difficult to make a really horrible sound on the guitar yeah agreed for sure um, sounds good so i would go with that cool what is your favorite movie or the best movie you've seen recently um uh i mean i can't say this is my favorite this is just what popped into my head sure. there's a film the film called the lobster and even, <laughs> <laughs> even when i think about it it actually cracks me up it's <laughs> it's uh it's a british film and essentially um if you don't have a partner, you get sent to this special hotel. I heard about this movie. This is like four or five years old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, so it, but if I try and describe it, it sounds really, really rubbish, but it's actually hilarious. Um, it's anyway. So, so you go to this hotel and you have to um, f find someone. And if you don't find someone within a certain amount of time, you get turned into an animal. <laughs> um see, it's it sounds rubbish <laughs> i really um i really would recommend it i won't go any further than that but it, it is it is hilarious i find it hilarious awesome i think most people would but it's it's just i have never watched any other film like it it's a different type of humor <laughs> that sounds, great. sounds good yeah yeah uh, well, not it doesn't sound good, but yeah, you should you should watch it. <laughs> it doesn't sound good, but it is actually good. All right, I'm sold on it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you could compete in any non-running sport at the Olympics, what would it be? Hmm. Well, like certainly, if you'd asked me ten years ago, I would have said rowing. But now, it's probably some cycling event, maybe mountain biking. That would be right. fun. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I'm not great. In fact, I've gradually got worse on my mountain bike. The more the more running I do, the worse I get because I think more about the consequences of falling off. Totally. Um, I would say I used to be quite good, and now I'm less good. But I still would like to be good. I it's a cool sport. It takes you to, I think... The training would be awesome. Training, rowing training is kind of a bit dull, but mountain biking would be good fun to train for. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, mountain biking. Nice. Sounds good to me. What motivates you when things start to suck? Hmm. Um, what, in a race or just in general? Either way. I think I, I think about, I don't have like a mantra or anything, but I, I think about, all the people that are like who are invested in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, my husband, my coach, family, friends, like everyone who is has like sacrificed something or has helped me get to where I am. Because um, running isn't an individual sport. Um, yeah, you always have this huge team around you. Right. Um, yeah, so I think I think about that and I think about, you know, how they would feel if I quit or, you know, um, things like that. I think they're the things that pop into my head when I'm having a hard time in a race. I, I have the or same if exact I'm answer. Someone and yeah. Yeah. Digging really deep. I think, 
I've got to do it for this person or that person. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, because I know it would mean a lot to them. Yeah. Cool. When I'm struggling to find my own sort of internal motivation, <laughs> I guess. Good. Uh, and you sort of touched on it there. Do you have a coach? Yes, I have a coach. Um, his name is Martin Cox. He is a British uh, mount. Well, he's uh, he would call himself an ex-international mountain runner. Um, and yeah, I I've been working with him for three or four years, and I absolutely would not be where I am now without him. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's played a massive role in in sort of the progression of my career as a runner, I guess. And he, he, I think he's different. I mean, I haven't had many coaches, but he is different from most coaches in that he is so invested in his athletes. He is, he coaches a very small number of athletes. He knows every one of us so intimately. And yeah, yeah he, he's not doing it for he's doing it because he loves coaching and he loves running he has no other motivations um and yeah um he's a he's a super interesting guy and um yeah uh a, a great he, he i mean he knows a lot but an awful lot about coaching but it's more that he's just so attentive That's <laughs> and great. yeah um, so invested in all his athletes and and I know that you know it it means a lot to him yeah he's just so passionate about his job and um yeah sounds yeah. amazing so excellent yeah. just as an aside Beth more I think more and more runners uh in in the U.S. are are seeing the value of coaching and we've we've really seen the the rise of this I feel like in the last five four or five years or so especially among elite athletes is that mirrored in Europe as well or are is is coaching uh, among the the elite ranks kind of becoming the the de rigueur or is that still kind of unusual yeah I would say it's the same yeah okay um yeah yeah yeah, I, I mean, even 10 years ago, like if someone has said they were an online running coach, that would be kind of unusual. Right. No, exactly. But now, like every other runner seems to be a coach as yeah. well. Yes. Um, and every, certainly every, yeah, a lot of runners seem to have coaches for uh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's a system, yes. Yeah. Everyone either coaches or has a podcast, so. <laughs> yeah. Except except me. I do neither. But. <laughs> uh, oh, my turn. Okay, Beth, when they make a movie about your life, who plays you? Uh, that'll never happen. <laughs> who knows? Come on. Let's think positive here. After you, after you pull off the, the Western States UTMB double and they say, we're, we're making the movie. Netflix are all in. Netflix just greenlit it. They just heard it. They, yeah. they, they, we're, we're already greenlit. They listen to the podcast, I'm pretty sure. It's actually a six-episode, we have a six-episode limited <laughs> run now. I I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where to start with this question. All right. Um, we'll get Anna Taylor-Joy on the phone. We'll, we'll, we'll do can that. Can I not play myself? Oh, you can play yourself, I, sure. Yeah, you can play yourself. I'm a terrible, a terrible actress. But if you're playing it's yourself... Right. It sounds then... like it's going to be a terrible movie, so... We could send you to RADA for six months, you know, for training. As long as they let you go out running as well, it'll be fine. I can't think of any, any actresses that even look vaguely like me. 
Um, <laughs> this is this is hard. <laughs> you answer that question. Look, hey, are they the same questions for everybody? Let let no it? let no one say that the pain cave does not ask the tough questions. It is tough. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you about that. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I'll write right, the script. Got... I'll write the script and then you get back to me. Okay. I got an easy one for you. If you had to race dressed in a costume, what would it be? How's that easy? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's costumes you just think of than actresses that wanna be runners, so um my most memorable fancy dress experience was when I won a prize actually. Uh, I was a tree. Um, oh wow! And it, it, I think I'd only, it would be okay for maybe five k a shuffle. <laughs> it has to be a short race, right? That trio gets stuck on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it would, and yeah, I basically had, I was surrounded by a cardboard box up to about here. I had like a brown hat on, and then re loads of real branches. It looked right. amazing. That sounds pretty good. That was really good. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's not practical in any way. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. It's fine. Um, but it would be kind of cool to run a trail race. A running a tree. tree. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you didn't like the last couple of questions, you're not going to like this one. Oh, no. <laughs> would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 10 duck-sized horses? I don't think I could fight duck-sized horses they sound really sweet okay so by default by default it's a horse-sized duck i don't think i'd want to fight them they sound adorable yep. um so i'd have to say a horse-sized duck i like the logic that's very good even though they, they sound more intimidating right that, i would be frightened of a horse-sized duck i would feel really mean beating up tiny horses <laughs> <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> a horse-sized duck could be a handful, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that really is an odd question. I love we, it. We probably shouldn't leave that one for last. That seems like a weird one to end on. <laughs> oh, Phil, you had a bonus question. Okay, that, that seemed even, even a little a bit more question. bizarre. Bonus question for the only for sort of English, English people. Uh, Marmite, love it or hate it? I'm indifferent. Oh. oh no <laughs> she pushed she pushed <laughs> okay so that's fine i mean that doesn't mean you hate it so that's good i don't hate it i think yeah. it's okay i'll right. eat it i don't eat it regularly it's right. just fine what what is it good Marmite. It's, a, uh, it's a it's a sort of a yeast based kind of salty spread it's like very dark kind of black brown kind of thing Put it on toast. It's uh, it's one of these things in England, you know. It's kind of uh, it's a little uh, kind of digital. People either love it or hate it, pretty much. Except Beth, who's kind of indifferent. But uh, right. it uh, yeah, it's quite tasty. I, I I quite like it. You have a. It's called. They have other things in the other countries like Vegemite. Ve Vegemite is the Australian version. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if there's an American equivalent. Maybe not. I don't think there is. Not, it's not FDA approved. It would never get through. <laughs> Too unhealthy. Lindsey Graham, sponsored by I, Marmite. I don't Marmite. Th All I don't of a sudden, it gets through. I don't think too unhealthy <laughs> is uh, is going to be a barrier to entry in the U.S. Sorry to disappoint you. I know you've yeah, only been here yeah. for a few weeks, but you eat Marmite, but, you won't you won't rack up your BMI. It was not good for you. 
No. Marmite doesn't go on fries or onion rings, and you certainly can't mix it in a milkshake. Actually, just talking about Marmite, I do feel like Marmite now. That's, there you go. That's, yeah. I'm so dehydrated earlier. I, yeah, I actually, salt by the sounds of it. Yeah. I fancy some right now, but it doesn't sound like I'll be able to get hold of any. Well, in Arizona, I think it's probably a rare commodity. <laughs> Beth, you've been really generous with your time, and we will uh, let you go and, and go search for Marmite or some other sort of salty snack. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank, thank you guys for having me on it. Yeah, it was fun to chat. Good luck. And, and, and a very different type of podcast. To well, if, 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 we, if we can't be good or fun or anything like that, we can at least be different. So. Yeah. <laughs> Beth, good luck at Western States and UTMB and everything else later on this year. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm.